That song we just sang is uh, really what we're looking at in Romans chapter 6, and I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles to that passage. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. Um, That song we just sang talked about these are the facts, and then we have a choice to make in terms of whether we're going to believe those facts or not. And, and I pray that we understand that because Romans 6 says some incredible facts. Romans 6 says that we have died. If you're a Christian, if you've been justified by faith, if you've been made right with God by faith in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a changed individual. We all are if we know Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. And I, I pray that we get this because the bible says we have been crucified with christ we have so we've died with him the bible says we have been buried with him the bible says we have been raised with jesus so that we can walk in newness of life it's an incredible truth but after you get these wonderful facts laid out then it says to every christian Consider those facts true. Consider those facts personal. Don't say we have. Say I have died with Christ, been buried with Christ, been raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. I have died to sin. I am alive to God in Christ Jesus. I have that choice to make in terms of whether I consider that true, whether I believe that, like this song you say, uh, said it during, during the chorus. And, and so you have a choice to make, and then once you've made that choice, then you need to make sure that you have presented your body, this physical body, um, you need to be sure that you present it because you presented all of yourself to God. But he just says, I want, you to, I want you to know that there are going to be some struggles that go on between your flesh, your fleshly body, and the Holy Spirit who's now taken up residence in you. I, I want you to know that, that there's going to be this struggle. And so be sure that you have presented your body to me once for all. So that I can, so that God says, so I can use your body as an instrument to display my son, Jesus, through people like you. And that's, that's the story that we're seeing here. That's, those are the facts that we're looking at here. But he gives two choices here. Have I, have I considered those true? Do, do I consider those true for me? And have I presented my body to God once for all for him to use in any way that he chooses? And so we can, you can go away from here knowing, wow, the Bible says I've died with Christ, I've been buried with Christ, I've been raised with Christ, so I can walk in newness of life. But if you don't consider, if you don't make the conscious choice to consider those things through, to believe them, and also make sure that you've presented your body, you will not find yourself walking in newness of life. You'll still find yourself uh, looking like a slave to sin. And so I really want us to get this. And so... Tony and I came up with this thing. It's in your bulletin. If you don't have that, John, would you make sure that people have, anybody not have this that wants it? <laughs> maybe some of you don't have it, maybe you don't want it. Um, but I'd, I'd like for you to, uh, I hope you keep that in your Bible. Um, 
But notice on the left hand there, the victory cycle. And when we are tempted, notice in the very middle there, it says when tempted, we have a choice. We can, we can if, in order to walk in victory, we need to know the facts of Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. And then at the bottom of that cycle, the victory cycle, you have the word consider, and that's Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then he, then he says, you know, in Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you'd obey it. So it doesn't make sense based on who this new person you are now. But, but instead, present your body to God. You know, stop presenting your body to sin as an instrument of, of injustice, but instead present your body of God so that he can use it as he chooses. And when you do that, at the very top of that cycle, you see that you are reigning in life, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. That's the victory cycle that I didn't know for approximately 20 years of my Christian life. I, I didn't walk this way. I didn't know the facts. I had no idea what the Bible taught about walking in victory. I thought the only thing that existed for me was over at the right-hand side, and that's the forgiveness cycle. And that, that, you know, when I was tempted, I had a choice. I would eventually always give into it and sin. I tried as hard as I could in my own strength. Uh, I knew the right things to do, but I didn't find myself doing them. I was a miserable person. But I was so thankful that when I had sinned, then I, when I, the Bible says in that 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, the word confess means to agree with, so God, I agree with you that I missed your mark. That's what the word sin means. So I, I agree with you that I missed your mark here. And thank you for your forgiveness and cleansing. And when I did that, I found that the fellowship with God, my relationship with God never changed. I, I, was, I always belonged to him when I came to know Jesus as Lord of my life. I, I, I realized I was a part of the family. I was a part of the body of Christ. But whenever I sinned, I broke the fellowship, the intimate fellowship that I shared with our Lord. It was never his fault. It was always mine. But the fellowship was restored. And, and so... When I learned this other cycle, I started seeing myself more and more walking in victory. And I found myself starting to live, find life in the victory cycle. And when I did make the wrong choice, when I gave in the, to, the, to the temptation and sinned, I confessed that. I realized I was forgiven and cleansed because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And my fellowship was God restored. And then I went right, right back over you don't have to spend two weeks doing penance. You don't have to spend two weeks, you know, how, oh God, I sinned again. How long do I have to kind of walk around in misery and shame and guilt? And, and you know, how, how much do I have to do? What can I do to kind of earn my way back? Uh, you don't have to do that. Go through this, don't, go through the forgiveness cycle, but go right back to the victory cycle. When tempted, no, I know the facts of Romans 6. I consider them true. I present my body. I have presented my body to you, God. Uh, I, I want to reign in life. And that's what you say happens when I walk in your ways, when I know, consider, and present. So I really encourage you to make this a part of your thinking. Develop a godly mindset so that you're 
constantly thinking about these things. We're so thankful for the forgiveness cycle. We're so thankful for the forgiveness of sins that Jesus accomplished. But he wants us, now that, we, now that he's dealt with our sins and, and, and ourselves as sinners, he wants us to reign in life. And he tells us how to do it in Romans chapter 6. I pray that we're getting that. Because when we don't, when we don't, When we don't walk in the victory cycle, we find ourselves looking like we're still slaves to sin. And that's not who we are anymore. You're not a sinner by nature. You're not a slave to sin. Sin has no power over us. It doesn't. It doesn't. But there's this choice there that we need to continually make. And so, Father, today as we look at this passage... Romans 6, 15 through 23, I pray that we will understand that our actions and our words and our choices and our thinking should reflect the new people we are in Jesus Christ. We're no longer in Adam. We're now in Christ. May our choices reflect that we are your slaves rather than sin's slaves. So thank you for this passage. May it become very real to us. Thank you for Romans 6. It's a life-changing chapter for me personally. I think for our church too. So may we get it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I was thinking about this passage, I I thought all of us are slaves. I know we don't like the word slave. You know, it has a bad connotation. It, it, you know, we think of it as, you know, it means somebody whose will is given over to another. Sometimes that's deliberate, but other times it's, you know, forced. I understand that we don't like even the idea of being slaves, but the Bible teaches everybody is a slave. And you're either a slave of sin or a slave of God. You don't have the option in terms of whether you're a slave or not. (laughs) It's just what or who are you a slave of? And and I I pray that we understand this today, that um, I am responsible. You know, I I, I want us to understand this incredible thought that the Bible says when you became a Christian, that God made you his slave. He removed you from being sin's slave and made you a slave of his. And you know what? To be a slave of God is really good. It is. It's where life is found. It's what we were created for. It's not wrong to be a slave. Uh, You just need to pick who your master is. And according to these verses, these indicate that, that the choices we make should indicate to whom we belong. And I started thinking about what what are excuses people use, and really it's probably more what are excuses Christians use to rationalize sin. And I thought, nobody's perfect. I'm only human. I can't help it. God will forgive me. I I didn't know. I I just didn't know what the the facts were. Um, Those are all excuses. Because we don't have to Give in to sin, to the flesh and its urges. Ray Stedman asked the question, (laughs) 
What good is it to be set free from sin by Jesus Christ and have every opportunity and possibility of walking in holiness and righteousness or justice if at the moment of choice we ignore these facts and go right on as though we were slaves to sin? That makes no sense based on what Romans chapter 6 teaches. It makes no sense when we give in to sin. And Paul asked the question in verse 15 of chapter 6. He says, you know, since we're not under law but under grace, shall we sin? And it it sounds like the same question as we had in verse 1. Where where there it says, you know, are we to continue in a lifestyle of sin so that grace may increase? It sounds like, well, since we're not under law but under grace, shall we sin? It sounds like they're both asking the same question. But in verse 1, the tense is present. It means a lifestyle. Shall I continue in a lifestyle of sin so that God's grace is seen all the more? And of course, Paul answers, absolutely not. But the question in verse, in, in verse 15 is, the tense there is occasional. Is it okay if I give in to an occasional fling? <laughs> Just every once in a while. Is it all right if I do that? You know, what's, what's wrong with that? Since I cannot sin God's grace, why is an isolated sin wrong? And Paul answers this, and if you look at, you know, he answers this in verses 16 through 23, so we'll start with verse 15. Look at those verses there with me. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know? Here's that word know again. It was used in 3, it was used in verse 6, used in verse 9. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either in sin, resulting in death, or of obedience, resulting in righteousness or justice? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness or justice. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members, the members of your body, as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Sanctification means to be put to its intended use. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification, again set apart for God's use or put to its intended use, and the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If those verses, I was thinking if if those don't turn you on, you aren't listening or something's wrong. Um, Man alive. He makes it really clear in verse 16, you are slaves of the one whom you obey. 
Again, a slave was one whose will was swallowed up in another's will. And Paul says, shall we, can we, should we, is it all right if we just occasionally sin? And he says, absolutely not. Why? Verse 16, don't you fully understand or know that when you present yourself to another's will, you are slaves of the one whom you obey. Plus, sin results in death. Obedience to God results in righteousness or justice. So I put on your handout, the one to whom you give your will is your master. We still have wills as Christians. Our will wasn't changing. Our, our soul, we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. Uh, our spirit is, is spiritually alive. We are now in Christ. We are now holy ones or saints by nature. But your soul is your mind, emotions, and will. And so we still have a will. We still can make choices as Christians. And the Paul makes clear here, the one to whom you give your will is your master. Ultimately, you're either a slave of sin or of obedience and God. Those are points on your handout. The one to whom you give your will is your master. Ultimately, you're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of obedience and God. Our obedience is to reflect our God and the new persons we are in Jesus Christ. Our obedience is to reflect that we have this permanent relationship with God and we want to and we're enjoying his benefits. So why not an occasional sin? Well, your choices, this is on your handout again, your choices should reveal to whom you belong and serve. <laughs> Every day we make choices. Verse 17 is really an interesting verse. It says, Thank God that you, who were at one time slaves of sin, from the heart obeyed the form or the pattern of teaching to which you were delivered or given over. In other words, you once were slaves by nature, slaves of sin by nature. That's who you were. You had no choice but to sin. But thanks be to God. See, this is the reason in our nation today, the issue is not all the things that are being practiced that are right or wrong or evil or whatever you want to consider them. The issue there, the issue is not the sins. The issue is that they, they are, if they are slaves of sin, if they're still slaves of sin, if they're still sinners by nature, that's all they can do. And so the answer is not, you need to, you know, the answer is not to try and forbid that. We need to make a law against that. They shouldn't practice that anymore. Or we need to start practicing this. Instead of doing that, we realize that the person needs to be changed. If a person is a sinner by nature, they have no choice but to sin. We, we've got to understand this. We, you know, we have a tendency to want to deal with the symptoms, with the uh, results. But what you have to do is you have to, and only God can do this, that person has to be changed. 
And until they are changed, there isn't even the possibility of them walking in a right way, in a way that's pleasing to God. And so you don't hear this solution. We say, well, we need to make a law against that. Or, you know, that person's breaking the law in that area. It, again, the person needs to be changed. And Jesus, out of his love, he dealt with everything that needed. He dealt with us as sinners. He dealt with our sins. He dealt with sin in the flesh. He dealt with our representative who, you know, we were in Adam, now we're in Christ. He dealt with everything that needed to be dealt with. so you once were slaves of sin by nature. That's who you were. You had no choice but to sin. But thanks be to God. You wholeheartedly, from the heart, responded to the message of Jesus and what he had done. We've been given over, it says, and that's in the passive. That means it's something done to us, not something done by us. We've been given over to God's good news, the teaching which should now on your handout, which should now mold and shape us. This is Jesus' teaching, the good news of Jesus, the life of Jesus. That's what should be impacting and shaping our lives. We've been given over to that. So why would you not do an occasional sin? Because when you give in to this occasional sin, it isn't showing up who you are. Your choices are revealing, you know, your choices would seem to indicate you don't belong to Jesus, you belong to sin. And you aren't that anymore. It's interesting, in James chapter 1, it says, In humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls, your mind, emotions, and will. The gospel has stamped us with its image. Why in the world would we even consider giving in to one sin? Verse 18, You've been freed from sin and become slaves of righteousness. And I go on to say on the handout, so what should be reflected in the lifestyle and thinking of the Christian always? And that's the one of whom were slaves. The Bible indicates here we're slaves of obedience, we're slaves of righteousness, so our actions and our words and our thoughts and choices should reveal who we are, to whom we belong. We're slaves of God. Why would you choose even occasionally to go back to your former master? We need to do who we are. Verse 19, Paul puts this in human terms because our flesh is weak. We understand things better when he talks in terms of slaves. By the way, one-third to one-half of the Roman Empire were slaves. When Jesus was here on this earth, he would have been considered a slave to the Roman Empire. All the Jews were. One third to one half of the people of the Roman Empire were slaves. And so when Paul is talking about slavery, we can really, they could really identify with that. Because they either were slaves, or they knew somebody who had slaves, or maybe they were a slave holder. 
And so he uses this earthly, you know, earthy example here. So that's easier to understand. But he says, just as our body members, you know, these members of our body used to be presented as slaves to impurity and lawlessness. The words there mean things not clean, inward pollution, no laws resulting in ever increasing wickedness. So now, in verse 19, so now once for all, present the members of your body in slavery to righteousness, justice, which will result in being set apart for God's use. You see, why would we give give in even occasionally to who you once were and how you lived? Once you know, once you understand the victory cycle, why would you even consider going back and living like you were somebody that you were before. It's interesting to be a slave of God is to be set free to experience life as God intended. So verse 20, think about it. When we were slaves of sin, we were free from righteousness. Again, that's just a, it's a legal term that means right or just with God. And the Bible says when we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, His righteousness is given to us. We are now right and just with God. And so think about it. When we were slaves of sin, we were free from righteousness. We couldn't do anything but sin. That verse 20 is really important to understand. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You never did anything that was pleasing to God. You couldn't. You are a sinner by nature. Everything you did was sin. And we were sin's slave revealed by sin's consequences. Do do we want to go back to that even every now and then? Verse 21, therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you're now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification, and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've been freed from sin and enslaved to God and we experience the benefits of that when we, have, when we know the facts, believe the facts, or consider them true and present our bodies. So he asks the question in verse 21, therefore what benefit did you reap from the practice of those things of which you're now ashamed? The things that you, you blush to remember, you're ashamed to recall. I don't know about you, but uh, I have a lot of things that I'm really ashamed to remember from my past. Um, Again, I think I was a Christian, but I certainly didn't live as a Christian. I wasn't necessarily the one uh, uh, who was making unkind comments about others, but I sure laughed when they did. I'm ashamed to remember those things. 
I realized, you know, those, those were dealt with on the cross by Jesus, and I'm so thankful for that forgiveness. But uh, when I walked like a sinner, like a slave of sin, I saw there were no benefits there. There were just consequences. He says here, the practice of sin only results in more sin, shame, and death. And that, that death, whenever death is mentioned in the scripture, that doesn't necessarily mean physical death, you know, that the person physically dies immediately. But it, it's, it's like a death-like experience, you know, kind of the barren, no hope, no life, guttering it out type of existence. Why, why would I even periodically go back to that? Why would you? Because he says in verse 22, a change has taken place. That deliverance is available to all who are haunted by their sins. Know this. Know this, he says in verse 22. You were freed from sin. It's in the past tense. It's a true thing. It's a thing that took place back in the past. You were freed from sin. There's no penalty of sin. We're freed from the power of sin. And and here's another past tense. You have become enslaved to God. That's who you are. That's who I am. The benefit of God's kind of life is is that we are set apart for His use and the outcome is eternal life. Since we're slaves to God, set apart, righteous practices, lives with eternal impact should be seen. And there are two two motivators at the time of choice. I'm really convinced of that. Uh, Number one is a motivator, and some people apparently are, are moved by this. Personally, I'm not, and that is the consequences. When I was facing the choice whether to give in to a temptation or not, I realized what the outcome was going to be. I knew the consequences. I was going to feel miserable. I was going to be ashamed. I knew I was guilty. I I knew all those things, but that didn't stop me from doing them. I don't even think they can stop you from doing them. Because there's another motivator at the point of choice, and that is uh, this ongoing fellowship with God. And I remember when Mary Lee asked a young person in our family, why not have sex before marriage? And the the answer was because it'd break my fellowship with God. A great godly answer. It wasn't because I'm going to get some, you know, uh, some disease. It's not because I might get somebody pregnant or, you know, uh, it wasn't because of those consequences. It was because it would break fellowship with God. And it was the same with me. Personally, the consequences of sin didn't stop me from doing that. But when I started realizing what I was missing out on, what I could have. (laughs) You see, why wouldn't you lie or be greedy or have sex outside of marriage or... Uh, tear somebody down with words or not be gentle or kind or patient or, you, you know, why wouldn't you give in to that? Because of the consequences associated with that sin. 
or because you are now in Christ and maintaining fellowship with our Lord. I really didn't start walking in victory over sin in my life until I realized God had made me a new person. I had died with Christ, been buried with Christ, been raised with Christ so that I could walk in newness of life. And I realized he had given me his Holy Spirit to live within me. And every time I would walk by the Spirit, I would always not carry out the desire, the the urge of the flesh, this fleshly body of mine. And when I started realizing who I was, and I'm flipping through the channels, and I see something that might be a little bit alluring or tempting for me, the reason that I go on is because that's not who I am. If I give in to that, that's not who I am. It's going contrary to the new person and all the, the new person I am in Christ and all the work that Jesus did on the cross. It's not who I am. And this godly mindset will serve us all of our lives. I'm tempted, I have a choice to make, I need to know the facts, consider them true for this particular situation. Make sure I remember that I presented my body, God, my body's yours, not mine. And I find I reign in life. And it wasn't the consequences of sin, it was the the benefits of walking in line with this new person I am in Jesus Christ. And so you look at verse 23, and I realize sometimes we've used the Roman road, you know, to lead somebody to the Lord. And, you know, we talk about, well, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, the wages of sin. Then we go to chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But realize verse 23 there is written to Christians. The wages or the pay, that's used of rations given for duty. It's used of a soldier being paid. The wages or pay for sin is death, spiritual, practical, eventually eternal if you never come to know Jesus. He says sin pays off all right in death. And I I put this on your hand and I I want you to look at it with me. Um, And the first three words are even one sin causes us. Let you get those three words in. Even one sin, even one sin causes us to become its slave. We go far beyond what we ever intended. We infect others with the same sin. We lose our fellowship, not relationship for Christians, but we lose our fellowship with God. We are limited in terms of opportunities And our minds reflect no understanding of God, ourselves in Christ, or scriptural truths. Even one sin should not be considered. And by the way, if you're currently sinning, you say, well, man, alive, I've been living in that forgiveness cycle all my, all my Christian life. I think I'm a Christian. I really desire to do what God wants me to do, but I don't find myself doing that. If you find yourself just continually confessing and understanding forgiveness and cleansing, fellowship restored, if you find yourself giving in, you aren't doomed. You just need to start living in the victory cycle. No, consider, present, reigning life. No, consider, present. 
Just confess that sin and walk, go over and start walking. Start reigning in life. And the last part, God's free gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The believer receives something he or she didn't deserve, can't earn, and that's eternal life. It's found only in, in Jesus Christ. Jesus says in that John 17 passage, you know, this is eternal life. They may know you, that they know you, Father, and the one, me, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. It begins the moment you come to know Jesus. So on your handout, one last fill in there. Eternal life is the quality of life, newness of life, that God has made full provision for living. It begins now. The conclusion on your handout, this is not saying we can't sin or we won't sin, but it is saying that God has made every provision for reigning in life, for walking continually in victory over sin. He's even changed who we were, so we're no longer slaves to sin. We are now slaves of righteousness, enslaved to God, our bodies intended to be weapons of righteousness or justice. To ignore God's provision is foolish. It is a waste of who God has made us and what he has given us. And so, Father, our need... Our need is to recognize who you are, what you've done, and who you've made us in Christ. We need to accept your deliverance for walking in victory. Only when we're slaves to godly thinking and behavior and choices are we in complete harmony with who we are now in Christ. We're no longer helpless victims. Because of what you've done and who you've made us, we don't have to give in even occasionally. Why would we go back to even one sin which results in shame and death when we don't have to? So because of the enslavement of our choices, because our obedience is to reflect who we are in Christ, because even one sin results in emptiness, frustration, and despair, because we've been given over to your word which now molds and shapes us, because we're slaves of yours and slaves of righteousness, our actions, thoughts, words, and choices should reveal these facts. Jesus, we thank you for your finished and completed work. May we live in light of that we are now in you, spiritually alive, holy ones by nature. So this week, may these bodies of ours be display cases <laughs> May we be demonstrations or exhibits. May we be, uh, uh, like the Bible says, these earthen vessels, these clay pots that reveal the treasure, Jesus, within. I pray that we would know the facts, consider them true for the temptation we're facing, the choices we're facing, and and, and 
make sure that we presented our bodies. Lord, we want to reign in life the way that you intend us to. Thank you for your every provision. And if there's anybody here this morning who either doesn't know you as Lord and Savior Jesus, we pray that this morning is a, a time when they would make the decision by faith to receive you, to believe in you and receive you and your work you did on the cross. And thank you that the moment that takes place, we become these new creations where, where sin no longer has a hold on us at all. And, um, and people can see Jesus being lived out through us. I pray that that's true. If there's anybody here this morning who'd just like to pray with somebody, we'll have some people up in front here that would love to pray with you. And um, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.